As health reform brings a focus on the budget for Medicare, a little-known but influential group convened by the American Medical Association is getting a closer look. It's called the Relative Value Scale Update Committee, and it is coming under fire from critics who say it has too much control over the flow of taxpayer dollars in the Medicare program, particularly at the time the nation has record budget deficits. You're listening to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Japson, your host, and joining me today is Tom Scully. Mr. Scully is Senior Counsel at Alston and Bird's Washington, D.C. office, where he specializes in health care regulatory and legislative issues. He also advises clients on health policy and related strategies. Before joining the firm, he was Administrator for the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services from 2001 to 2004, having been appointed by then-President George George W. Bush and confirmed by the U.S. Senate. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services are responsible for managing the Medicare and Medicaid programs as well as other health benefits services. He has been active in the area of health care law and policy for more than two decades, working in the first Bush administration in the Office of Management and Budget. Tom holds a law degree from Catholic University and a bachelor's degree from the University of Virginia. We're so glad to have him join us from his offices in Washington, D.C. Tom Scully, welcome to Reach MD Radio on XM160, the channel for medical professionals. It's great to talk to you again, Bruce. Well, tell us a little bit about this committee. It's known as the RUC, and I don't think anybody other than maybe you or I, and we've been involved in healthcare for a long time now, know much about this, but yet it holds huge sway over Medicare expending in this country. Well, I'm not sure the concept behind it is, is fine. I mean, the history of it is I was the White House healthcare guy for President Bush number one in 89, and with a the Democratic Congress, we pushed through a bipartisan reform and restructuring of the physician payment system in 1989. And you can argue whether it was a good idea or a bad idea in hindsight, but you know it put in this process where essentially you set up a little UN of physicians where they would all sit around and come up with a relative value and decide what you should pay for a, a gastroenterologist versus a rheumatologist versus a surgeon versus a general practitioner. And the concept essentially was that the amount of money was finite. So you come up with one relative value, obviously a 1.0, and every doctor in the country would get paid their relative value off that base. So brain surgery might be, and I'm making this up, a 15 times the one unit, and a basic you know, low-octane primary care visit might be a 0.4, but in, every payment would be paid off that. So again, you can debate whether the government fixing prices is a good idea or not, but given what we had at the time, it seemed to be rational. The problem that I were coming for me is... The bill passed in 1989. It was phased in over a couple of years, didn't actually kick in until 1992. And between the first Bush administration, when I left in the end of 1992, and the Clinton administration coming in 93, there was a little bit of a policy-making void, as there always is. And so my old agency, then called HICFA, CMS, essentially said, we don't really have the manpower or the horsepower to actually sit down and figure out these values and to run this thing, so why don't we call up the AMA and have the AMA convene it? And in concept, it seemed pretty good at the time. My biggest concern with it is the AMA basically set up this little UN and runs it, and they've basically come up with enormous power. So most of the specialty groups are never happy with AMA. So the surgery groups, the gastroenterologists, the rheumatologists, and most days they're unhappy with the AMA. But the AMA convenes this thing and controls it. It's like owning a UN building, and they decide who sits on it, and they control the politics of it. And so none of these specialists over the years have all had to stay in the AMA, and the AMA's power base largely comes from running this little fee-setting committee, which the government, in most cases, 98% of the time follows. 
So the concept of having all the docs in the country sit down and rationally figure out who, what the relative value of services is is fine with me. The problem is I think basically it should be run by more directly by a government agency and not by the AMA, who basically, if you don't play nice with the AMA, you don't get a seat. So the AMA has an enormous amount of power over who gets the seats on this thing and who makes the decisions. And it affects 125, you know, more than that, probably $140 billion a year of federal spending. And it's largely a very political operation that the CMS, then HICFA, has delegated to this doctor group. And I just don't think it's enough oversight. So there's nothing sinister about it. The people on it are trying to do a good job. It's, you know, I'm sure all the docs on there are well-intended. But, you know, my problem, for example, when I was running the agency was pediatricians that never be on it. I had a big fight with this group because, you know, if there's no pediatricians on the group, then who cares what the hell a pediatrician gets paid? <laughs> so I had a big fight with them over that. So it's just too political. And I think the AMA has way too much power. The concept of what they do is fine. The docs who run this and spend hundreds of hours providing the service generally voluntarily to the government, God bless them, it's a great thing. But the structure of it was accidental. And I think it's well overdue for some oversight. Well, and are they, it would seem to have, especially in this day and age when I mean, conflict of interests are we're shining light on them all the time, you would think that there would be conflicts of interest because you're talking about physicians setting up payment systems that are going to pay physicians. Is that part of the problem as well? You know, I don't think you can do it any other way. The issue is you want to be objective about it. So if you're going to set up a payment system of how you pay hospitals, you know, you have to talk to hospitals, you have to work with them, you have to track them. But the government basically does that on its own. If you set up a committee of hospitals and said, let's have, let's set up a committee of hospitals, let's get one guy from Columbia Presbyterian in New York, and let's get one guy from the University of Chicago and another one from Emory, and you cherry-picked a handful of them and put them on there, you'd be probably not surprised to find out that even in their best of interests, either they're wonderful, honest human beings, the payment system might come out to benefit those hospitals. You need to work with the docs, and you need to work with the specialty groups. I just think that way too much of the politics and the power has been delegated to the AMA. And to be honest with you, from having dealt with a lot of specialty groups over the years, I think you know the AMA is not always overly popular with doctors. But the reason most specialist groups are involved is because their number one issue they have is this price-fixing mechanism that's controlled by the AMA. And if you don't play nice, you are basically don't get a seat at the table. Yeah, and especially in the last year, I know that the specialty societies were not happy with the AMA and the health care reform debate. Now, is there, for speaking as a taxpayer, when the physicians calculate the fees and all that stuff, are they held to a certain pool of money? I mean, are there decisions being made that are costing the taxpayers money? The concept here, and the way this all happened, is in, in 1989, spending on the physician side was totally out of control. You had a Democratic Congress at the time who wasn't likely to go towards a more market support. So we basically came up with a compromise where we came up with basically a global budget. So there's a finite amount of money put in this pool. And, you know, the docs all sit around and decide what the relative payments are. And the payments are backed into this pool. So if you went out, for instance, and said, we're going to pay surgeons a little more or we're going to pay radiologists a little more, it's theoretically coming out of somebody else's hide. So it's a fairly finite pot. My concern with it is, is that if you want to pick on any particular group, but let's say the anesthesiologists are particularly powerful in the ruck and they manage to go out and lobby to get their values raised, it's coming everybody else's side. Well, if you're just joining us, or even if you're new to our channel, you're listening to Reach MD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. I'm Bruce Jepson, your host, and joining me today is Tom Scully. He's a senior counsel in the Washington law firm of Alston and Bird. Before joining the firm, he was the head official with the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services under President George W. Bush, and he is well steeped in the world of health policy. And we're talking about this group called the RUC, as it's known in physician circles 
circles and inside the Beltway, the Relative Value Scale Update Committee. And there are some folks, including Mr. Scully and others, who think that this group has a little bit too much power convened by the American Medical Association in essentially prescribing the fees that are paid by Medicare. Yeah, by the way, Bruce, I don't just clarify. I don't necessarily think the RUC, there's not necessarily a way to do it outside of what the RUC does. I think my concern is that the decision about who sits on the RUC and the structure of it, who makes the decision, is made by the AMA. And by definition, that's a self-interested political organization. I think generally if CMS on its own or as an independent agency of some type convened the RUC on a slightly more objective basis, what they're doing is fine and they're trying to do the right thing. It's just that it's taken on a life of its own over the years. Like they're the ones that are convening the meeting. You're not necessarily saying that, you know, if they want to pick several doctors or there's 29 doctors involved, 30 doctors involved, it should just be an independent group convening the organization rather than what the AMA is, which is they're a lobbying organization. Well, let's say you get mad at the AMA and you're the gastroenterologist or the rheumatologist and you quit. You think you're going to have a seat on the ruck? Right. I, see I mean, the issue is, if you're CMS, you should be out there getting a broad group of honorable, and I think these are generally very, I've been to some RUC meetings, but if the AMA runs it, and that really, from CMS's point of view, they should be coming up with a broad sampling of doctors and having them advise CMS on how to do this, and when you run it through the AMA, you get very involved in the politics of the AMA. So if the anesthesiologists get angry tomorrow and say, we're all dropping out of the AMA, that shouldn't affect their role in what the government decides to pay them. Now, what the AMA would say in defending their involvement is that these meetings are long, it's not like it's a party and so forth, and that they know the system and they represent all specialty societies and so forth. Does this require an act of Congress to change this? No, CMS changed tomorrow. I'll tell you one story. I know your story doesn't go too long. I came in as a CMS <laughs> administrator, and the pediatricians, I'm sure they're probably long gone. This is seven, eight years ago. The pediatricians came in to me and said, we're really upset because your immunization rates are really low in Medicare. And it's killing us. And I said, well, why do you care? You guys don't do any Medicare. They said, well, most states piggyback on Medicare rates for Medicaid. And we're getting paid six, seven bucks for an immunization. It really costs us 12 or 14. And I said, well, it made a good argument, totally correct. So when I checked it with my staff, and I said, well, let's just get the RUC to change it. Obviously, there's no pediatricians on the RUC because pediatricians don't take care of seniors. So I got the staff to ask the RUC to make a change and raise the code for immunizations for pediatric uses, which theoretically was coming out of all their hides in a very small way. And they basically refused. They said they weren't going to do it. So in a very, I think I'm still the only ministry ever did it. I went to Chicago and sat in the room with the 30 people very angry, and said, here's the deal. Either you put a new damn code for pediatricians for the immunization, or there won't be a ruck. I'm going to disband it. I'm not paying attention to anything you tell me to do, which they didn't like very much, but not shockingly. But you had the power to do it. and Yes, and, and I was pretty mad about it because it was ridiculous. Their attitude is, we're not going to give the pediatricians more. It's coming out of our hides. These people aren't in our little club. So that was my problem with it, and I think it still exists to this day to some degree. So my frustration with it is the club nature of it. If you're setting rates for the government, it should be a representative of everybody, whether you're in the AMA or not. And the AMA has retained a lot of power in the medical community through the years over this mechanism, but there's no reason for them to be involved. They did the government a favor at first when there was a void. Nothing sinister about the AMA did. There was a void between administrations in 1992. The staff wasn't there to do it. The AMA called and said, would you do us a favor, convene these people and run this group? And they did it for all the best reasons. But over the years, it's turned into this very politicized juggernaut, and I don't think that's the way to run a railroad. Is there any momentum, given health care reform will be implemented and perhaps changed given the new tone and new folks coming to Washington who are already in Washington, 
Is there any momentum in Congress on the Hill that this be changed, particularly now when we're talking about spending more money on health care? I doubt I don't think any member of Congress wants to gratuitously irritate the, they have enough fights to the AMA. <laughs> so I doubt that's going to change. What about with the administration? I mean, they seem to be interested in transparency. I think, uh, and... They've been doing more of this. And I, you know, John Blum, who runs Medicare under Don Berwick, who I like very much, he's a little controversial, but not with me, who's the new administrator. I don't think Don has looked at this. John said in an article, a couple of weeks ago that I read that he was, you know, look, CMS is going to get more involved. And the standard, CMS can change anytime time it wants. The standard has been that the RUC makes recommendation that CMS, because it doesn't have enough staff, you know, CMS has like two doctors that work part-time on this. Great guys, but they're just uh, drinking from a fire hose, so they have to rely heavily on the RUC. So I think CMS has been saying there's going to be much more oversight, and they're going to question a lot more of the RUC's calls, and I think that's the appropriate thing to do. I think the most appropriate thing to do if CMS had the personnel would be to have the AMA involved, but have the convening and the organization and deciding who has a seat on it done by Medicare or by some independent group and not by the AMA. But, you know, I don't see that happening anytime soon, but I think shedding more light on this will improve performance for everybody. Well, that's what we're doing here. We're also, I would say, you know, for the general listener out there, and we do have some general listeners, is there anything that they need to be worried about with this? No. If you went to a RUC meeting, these are doctors doing their own voluntary stuff. All the ones I've been to and the people I've talked to and, and met with over the years, look, they're trying to do the right thing. Everybody's intentions are the best. It's just a fact of life. You know, if you convene the UN and you only put 15 countries on the panel, you get decisions that happen to be jaded a little bit that way. And that's what's happening here. So nobody's doing anything wrong. There I shouldn't be a security council. It should be everybody should have a voice. Uh, or at least the security council should be picked by somebody on themselves occasionally. <laughs> so I just think there's nothing sinister going on here. I think the system... I just think the way it's structured doesn't lead to the best outcomes. And if you happen to be a small specialty group that's not a big dues-paying member of the AMA, you're much more likely to get shut out. And that's just not the way it should work. Well, with that, I'd like to thank Tom Scully, who's been our guest. We've been talking about the RUC, the Relative Value Scale Update Committee, which is a key role in prescribing the fees that are paid by Medicare. And there are some controversies surrounding that. And we will also be having representatives of the RUC on a later program to tell their side of the story. I'm Bruce Japson, your host, and you've been listening to ReachMD Radio, the channel for medical professionals. ReachMD, online, on demand, and on the air. Please check us out at ReachMD.com. And I'd like to thank you today for listening.